This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at Mercury.com. This week, attorneys general from around the country gathered on the steps of the Supreme Court. Well, thank you all for being here. Pretty remarkable day. I never. They were there because of one company. Uh, the giant company Google. 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 This online search engine juggernaut. Fifty attorneys general from 48 states in D.C. and Puerto Rico announced an antitrust investigation into Google. And the thing they are most interested in investigating is the business that Google has long dominated. 90% of the revenue that Google derives is from advertising. Google controls or is a major player in every aspect of that supply chain. Google's dominance now allows them to pick winners and losers in this exchange. Today on the show, why everyone is going after Google and its $116 billion ad business. Welcome to The Journal, our daily show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbach. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, September 12th. This week, Google's sort of summer of hell turned into the fall, and the attorneys general announced that they were opening a new antitrust investigation into Google and into its online advertising market. Rob Copeland covers Google out of San Francisco. This is really just the latest grace note on what has been a few months of regulatory trouble for Google. The Wall Street Journal reported on Friday that the U.S. Justice Department is preparing an antitrust investigation into Google's business practices. Google's CEO has become the latest leader of a U.S. tech giant to face a grilling by members of the U.S. Congress. I've got some breaking news right now. Google agreeing to pay between 150 to $200 million to settle an FTC investigation into YouTube. Now, the settlement is over allegations of alleged violations on children's privacy laws. And now it goes to the At the general. highest level, this is about whether big tech has gotten too big. So Google has had the dominant search engine for two decades. And Google has been able to use its really singular search business to fund all of these other parts of, of the Google empire. That's the free Gmail service, that's self-driving cars, that's smart speakers like Google Home. And that all really comes from money that is being spit out nonstop all day, every day from Google's online ads. Google has grown to become one of the world's most valuable companies. With its parent company, Alphabet, it's worth more than $800 billion. And the vast majority of its money comes from its online advertising business. But in the beginning, Google's advertising business wasn't a sure thing. It got off to a slow start. Ads were a part of Google from the relatively early days. At the beginning, it was this incredibly simplistic tool. These are just text ads, and they're just based on what you have just searched in the moment. So if you searched for flat tire, 
They might be trying to sell you literally a flat tire. They really just had a few hundred advertisers at the start. While its ad business was just getting off the ground, Google's search engine was taking off. Soon, Google started buying companies that broadened its scope, like the mobile operating system Android in 2005 and YouTube, which it purchased in 2006. A year later, the company started looking more seriously into an acquisition that could boost its ad business, too. So DoubleClick specialized in these banner ads. These aren't just text ads. These are those huge horizontal things that you see across the top of newspaper websites and a lot of other websites. Google saw that it had the ability to supercharge DoubleClick. Really, Google and DoubleClick would be able to supercharge each other because each had something the other was lacking. Google knew what people wanted to buy because it had all this data on what everyone was searching for. But it didn't have a lot of places to show the ads. For the most part, it could only show ads on Google.com. DoubleClick had the digital billboards, the access to those horizontal banner ads that were on websites all across the internet. Put those two things together, and Google could use what it knew about what people were searching for to show them ads for stuff long after they had typed it into Google, when they were just browsing random websites. Picture in the old days, if you wanted to buy an ad in your local newspaper, you called up the local newspaper and you bought the ad at the price. What DoubleClick did was it said, We're going to aggregate all of these big horizontal banner ads all over the internet. And instead of you saying, hey, I want to buy an ad on the San Francisco Chronicle, you just tell us the type of people that you want to reach. And we're going to place ads all over the internet. You might not even actively know exactly where your ads are going. But it's going to be more effective because we know the types of people who go to those websites and we're able to target to them. Okay, so... That means that if I'm someone who wants to buy, say, lipstick, an advertiser's not going to just serve me an ad only when I'm searching for lipstick on Google, but with DoubleClick, they could serve me an ad when I'm somewhere else on the internet. And even more than that, Ryan, they're going to follow you around the internet with that ad. There's been research on this, and it takes somewhere around seven impressions for you to want to buy that lipstick. Seven impressions, meaning I've got to see the ad seven times before I'll click on it? Exactly. That's why they keep shooting you the same ad. If I'm the lipstick company, I can follow you around to the next seven websites that you visit. As long as they use DoubleClick, I can just serve you those seven ads, seven in a row. And the stats say that on the seventh time, you're going to want to buy that lipstick. Nowadays, we see these hyper-targeted ads follow us around the internet all the time. But back in 2007, the ability to target and follow users around the web at this scale would have been transformative in the world of advertising. Which is why Google wasn't the only company that saw the opportunity. Microsoft was also interested in DoubleClick. It was only after a bidding war and a final offer of $3.1 billion that Google finally made the deal. But before the acquisition could officially go through, the government had to approve it. Many deals, especially one of this size, have to be reviewed by regulators. In this case, the Federal Trade Commission took a look. 
And this is the really unsexy stuff that people outside of the Valley don't care about, but is super top of mind for regulators and competitors of Google. Google's search business was already so massive that some people started to worry that combined with DoubleClick, Google could grow so dominant in advertising that others couldn't compete. A top lawyer for Microsoft, the company that lost out in the bidding war, made that point to Congress during a hearing about the acquisition. If Google and DoubleClick are allowed to merge, Google will become the overwhelmingly dominant pipeline for all forms of online advertising. In the end, despite the concerns, the Federal Trade Commission approved the deal in a four-to-one ruling. But they did warn at the time that they would step in, quote, should Google engage in unlawful or anti-competitive conduct. And that's exactly what Google's competitors say has happened for the last 10 years. DoubleClick takes Google from having just a part of the online advertising business to basically having a foothold all over the Internet. Google's ad revenue, the year they bought DoubleClick, is $16 billion. Last year, it's $116 billion. That's an insane increase. So it's not a huge shock necessarily that 12 years later, the government has come back and said, we think there's something to investigate here. After the break, why Google's ad business has become the target for investigators. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of The Journal is brought to you by KPMG. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference. KPMG, make the difference. Welcome back. After acquiring DoubleClick, Google bought other companies to help build out what is now its $116 billion ad business. And over time, more and more of the internet began to rely on Google to buy and sell ads. And Google kept on coming up with new ways to get those ads in front of customers. Google expands from the model of just selling you text ads or even just banner ads. They start adding ads to Gmail. Google starts really expanding its advertising in YouTube. And analysts say that YouTube may be worth as much as 20% of Google's advertising revenue. Google also starts to reach you on its speakers. It has a shopping platform. So if you search for a product, instead of sending you to Amazon, you're buying it right there on Google. 
Today, Google has 37% of the U.S. digital ad market. Facebook is its closest competitor. And together, those two companies make up about 60% of the market. It's not illegal just to be big. But there's something in particular about online advertising that has the attention of antitrust regulators. The advertising business has a really special place in the regulatory landscape. And that's because for an antitrust investigation, you have to prove, generally speaking, two things. One, you have to prove that someone was harmed. And two, you have to prove that the company was either trying to harm that other group or at least was trying to help its own business at the expense of others. So, so much of the criticism of Google fails under that first standard. Consumers have free Gmail. They have free Chrome. It's hard to say that consumers are hurt in Google's dominance in certain parts of its business. Right, because the antitrust measure in many ways is just consumer harm. So Google is putting out a lot of free services that consumers really like. Exactly. You can't get better than free. So that's a tough antitrust argument. But advertising is different because the entity that's being harmed is either the advertiser or the competing ad platforms. So in that case, regulators only have to prove that Google's dominance is hurting these other businesses as opposed to consumers. In trying to figure that out, whether Google's dominance in online advertising might cause some businesses harm, investigators will be looking at just how exactly Google's ad machine works. Because it's inside that machine where an antitrust violation, if there is one, might be taking place. Let's just say that Ryan, you and I are going to open a super romantic B&B together. It's called the Ryan and Rob B&B. Are you in? Sounds like a great business. We're going to have like the best breakfast. There's going to be so much avocado toast at this B&B, you have <laughs> no idea. Okay, so no one knows about the Ryan and Rob B&B right now. So we need to advertise. So we can go to a tool that Google has and we can say, hey, I want to spend $1,000 advertising the Ryan and Rob B&B. And Google would say, okay, great. Here are some keywords that people are searching for. Romantic place to stay outside of Manhattan. And we say, great. And we go through this and there's a bunch of keywords that we agree that we'd like to have our ads near. Here's something that a lot of people don't realize about online advertising, particularly through Google, is that it's an auction system. Google doesn't actually say, here's how much those ads are. Google says, why don't you tell us how much you're willing to spend? And if you're the highest bidder for these keywords, your ad will show up not only on Google's platform, but on some other uh, websites. We don't actually know when we place these ads for the Ryan and Rob B&B, whether any of them will go, who the exact people are who will see them, when they will see them, et cetera. An auction comes through, some of them go out, some of our money gets spent through Google. If we want to find out, hey, was that any good way to spend our money? Google has another tool that will tell us whether it was a good way to spend money. The whole process is run by Google, and it's pretty hard for us to figure out whether it was the best option. But clearly it must work because people are spending with Google. People are doing this. Absolutely. It works fabulously well. Our Ryan and Rob bed and breakfast ad has to be on Google because that's where the customer is. 
Even though it's working and advertisers are putting money there, Google's critics say the process is sort of a black box. Advertisers don't actually know how much an individual ad costs. They just pay Google, and Google hands some of the money over to the website where the ad showed up. And the owner of the website? They have no idea either how much the advertiser was willing to pay. This is where antitrust regulators are looking. If advertisers are paying more than they should, or websites are earning less than they should, then that could point to harm. Ken Paxton, who's the attorney general of Texas, came out and described Google as a company that that dominates all aspects of advertising on the internet and searching on the internet as they dominate the buyer side, the seller side, the auction side. And he said, if advertising costs are higher, advertisers pay more, and ultimately that's passed on to consumers. If the attorneys general can prove that, they have a real antitrust case. What are some of the other things that regulators are going to be looking at? Here's a big one. Online advertising is increasingly not just words, not just banner ads, but it's video. And a few years ago, Google began requiring that advertisers who want to buy ads on YouTube have to use Google's tools to buy those ads. This is slightly different from how it works in the remainder of the advertising world. Mm -hmm. Now, no one would care about this except that YouTube is by far the biggest player in online video. So a lot of Google's practices that regulators are looking at really stem from its success. A lot of its practices would be okay if they were just one of many platforms competing. But there's really only one video website that matters, and it's YouTube. Now, it should be said that these aren't new criticisms, and Google has said time and again that, yes, it has a successful business. However, they do not have monopolistic pricing power and that nothing stops someone else from coming in here except a good idea. So how else has Google been defending itself? Well, Google has gone through some under-the-radar antitrust investigations before. They've, in countries like Brazil and in Europe, they've answered some of these questions. They have shown a ton of data that shows that, in Google's mind, the price of advertising has actually gone down. Google also points out that the fact that there are these other competitors which Google sometimes buys is a sign that there is no barrier to entry here. And if the history of Silicon Valley teaches us anything, it's that the dominant player can at any point be displaced. Do you have a sense of how executives at Google feel about all of this regulatory pressure? Privately, when I've spoken to current and former executives there, They have said that they feel that this was an inevitability, that regulation comes in cycles, and they do feel very defensive that they are not a monopoly. Google, from the very early days, was founded on this principle of doing no harm, and they feel that just because people want to use their product doesn't mean that they're doing anything illegal. And in particular, Kent Walker, who's one of the top executives at the company, has said that Google is helping make science fiction a reality. They can translate any language instantaneously on your phone. 
They can get you an answer to any question you might have, and they can even anticipate what you're looking for before you're searching for it. So Google's argument is essentially, if people don't like the product, nothing stops them from not using it. But we're trying to make people's lives better. Rob reached out to Google, but the company declined to comment for this podcast. Earlier today, the Wall Street Journal reviewed a subpoena the attorneys general sent to Google. The subpoena asks more than 200 questions. And for Google's business rationale for acquiring DoubleClick and other ad companies. Google isn't the only company in the crosshairs. Last week, another group of state AGs announced that they will open a separate antitrust investigation into Facebook. That's all for today, Thursday, September 12th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.